You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. I haven't been very motivated so far this year, but all that's changed as March has rolled around. And now I'm ready to share with you my 10 film photography goals for the next three months. So join me today as I discuss them. And I'll also tell you about the secret addiction that's been holding me back. Also keep listening for a review of the wonderful Seascape zine sent to me all the way from Sydney, Australia. I'm Matt Murray. And this is Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analogue photography related. friends how are you i hope you are well wherever you are all around the world welcome to another episode of matt loves cameras episode 43 of matt loves cameras those episode numbers they are creeping up towards my age and i'll let you know when we get there but i think it'll be by easter the way it's going uh so there you go episode 43 and today's episode is all about three month goals So you might remember last year, I did this episode at the start of January, January 2020. This year, uh, I felt a little bit uh, not as motivated as as I have been. It was very hot here, of course, during the summer, very rainy. I was working at home. Uh, It was school holidays, so I was home looking after the kids when I wasn't working. And I don't know, I, I was out there shooting film quite a bit, but I just didn't really feel like writing any goals down. Uh, so today uh, I've sort of changed all that and I've written down some three month goals uh, for March, April and May. And I'll be telling you all about them in a minute and and I'm going to crush those goals in the next three months and really move some of these projects I've been sitting on and move them along to the next stage. And uh, yeah, get, I'm really looking forward to that. Now, if you're wondering why I haven't done as many podcasts over the last two or three months, well, I have something to confess to you listeners. I'm really embarrassed about this, but I feel like the only way to get over it and move on and become a better podcaster and a better husband and a better dad is to tell you all about it. Now, because there'd be temptation to record this podcast and then delete it later on, I've actually got this on Instagram live at the moment. So there's there's a few people listening. Hello, guys. And um, yeah, they're listening online and sort of sending me comments as I'm talking because I really want to put this out into the world. I don't want to hide from any more. And I feel like, yeah, I need to do this uh, to make sure people hear this one way or another. So here we go. My free time in the last few months has been dominated by an activity that I'm a little bit ashamed of, listeners. Of course, it was summer holidays. I was working at home. And when work was done, I just wanted a little bit of fun, a little bit of escapism. And it started out quite innocently, just 15 minutes here and there. Nobody got hurt. There was no harm done. But then my behavior got more and more addictive. I used to crank up the aircon here at home, close the door of my home office, sit at my computer and immerse myself in a fantasy world for hours at a time. Sometimes I would do this activity by myself, but more often than not, I would engage in this activity with strangers over the internet. In this fantasy world, I adopted a new name and even presented a different version of myself to other people. Sometimes I'd dress as a woman or a teddy bear, but most often I would take the form of a cute monkey. 
I tried to arrange this activity when I was home alone, but occasionally, due to my addiction, hours and hours would pass by. I wouldn't hear the sound of my wife's car coming up the driveway or the sound of the garage door opening. She would burst into our home office with me sitting at the computer. She was angry. She was confused. In those moments, listeners, I felt ashamed. I felt alone and I begged her not to tell our family. As part of my drive to become a better man and a better podcaster, I've decided to tell you all about this addiction that has soaked up so many hours of my life in recent months in the hope that it will make me more accountable for my behavior. And I've just got some questions here from the Instagram live. I'm, I'm really glad that I've got this out into the world, uh, but I've got, a, I've got a question here uh, from James. It says, is the letter O in the name of your addiction? Yes, the letter O is in there. Uh, is the letter R in the name of your addiction? Yes, the letter R is in there as well, James. Annabelle is asking if the letter N is in the name of my addiction. Yes, I think you guys are on to me. And both at the same time, they're asking, is the letter P in the name of my addiction? No, the letter P isn't. Hang on. My secret addiction isn't isn't that. It, it's Fortnite. It's the last time I do an Instagram live. Filthy animals. <laughs> But yes, my my secret is out, my addiction. I have been playing a lot of Fortnite over the last few months, dear listeners. Now, if you're not aware of what Fortnite is, uh, where have you been the last couple of years? I'm sure you probably would have heard many young people talking about it. It's a game, an online game, where you take off in the battle bus above an island and you jump out of the battle bus, you land on the island and you're... Your whole aim is to be the last one standing, so you have to gather weapons and ammunition and medkits and shield potions and all that kind of stuff, and then run around the map, and uh, you've got to be the last one standing at the end. And if you win, you get a victory royale. And uh, a lot of these young kids who play, they're just they're, they're really good builders. They build all these um, towers and stuff, and I'm not very good at that. I just like the shooting bit. Uh, so um, I usually play in squads, and so I play with random people on the internet as a squad of four people. And um, my squad my squad win rate's pretty good. It's about 14%, which doesn't sound very good, but believe it or not, 14%, uh, winning 14% of the time is not bad. <laughs> Now, in the game, you have skins, so you can dress up as, as different people in the game. And I usually dress up as a monkey called Monks, like a cloth monkey. Uh, and everyone, I don't know, people I play with, just random people, they always want to say hi to me. They always, everyone loves a monkey. You know what I mean? Like, they just love that that cool dressed up monkey. Uh, and so they're always like, uh, they call me Fuzzy, because that's one of, a part of my username. Fuzzy, Fuzzy. And they don't even know who I am, but uh, they, they just love the fact that I dress up as a monkey. Uh, a lot of other people dress up as, you know, football players or, or skeletons. Or, or all sorts of weird and wonderful things. One of the other skins that I have, uh, only because this the account that I play on used to be my daughter's account, I've got a Harley Quinn uh, skin. So I, I can dress up as Harley Quinn if I want, uh, but uh, yeah, usually I dress up as Monks the Monkey. And I have a matching banana backpack for the monkey. So there you go, listeners. That is my secret addiction. Now, it actually started out as a family activity because my son plays Fortnite. And, uh, but unfortunately, what happened was uh, the makers of Fortnite Epic actually had a spat, had a fight with Apple. So because my son plays on Xbox and I play on Mac, we can't actually play together anymore, which really sucks. But hopefully one day they'll, uh, they'll patch their differences up and we can play together again. 
And it's funny, sometimes people ask me on Fortnite, they, they hear my voice because, you know, I've got voice chat on there and I'll say, hey guys, let's, let's land at Pleasant Park, um, watch out, there's, a, there's an enemy up there on the hill. And they'll say to me, uh, you know, how old are you, mate? And uh, I, I usually just say that I'm old, but sometimes people really press me. How old are you? How old are you? And I'm like, I say I'm I'm 46, and they they just they're just incredulous. They cannot believe that someone who's that old, that ancient, would want to play Fortnite. Uh, so it's kind of funny. Uh, one day a couple of weeks ago, I was just landing at Pleasant Park, one of the places on the map, and there was a there was a guy in New Zealand uh, playing with us, and he said, uh, "How old are you, bro?" And I said, oh, man, I'm old. He goes, no, no, bro, tell me how old you are. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get into this conversation again. So I said, oh, I'm 46, man. And then there was a few moments, silence. And I thought, oh, that's good. They'd shut him up. And then he said, uh, after a little bit, he said, are you really 46, bro? Or are you just making fun of me? And I'm like, no, man, I'm I'm really 46 years old, man. He goes, what are you doing playing Fortnite if you're 46, bro? I thought I was the oldest player and I'm 26. And I'm just like, oh man, you know, I play games for years, and and that's that's the marvelous thing about Generation X, my friends. I'm I'm part of Generation X, and uh, some other podcasters are uh, a part of Generation X as, as well, of course. Um, you know, Mario from the Gen X Photography Podcast, and also Mike Gutterman. He recently posted up an article about how amazing how Generation X is the best generation, and I couldn't agree more. But I think what people forget is that Generation X, we were actually the the first generation to have computers in our homes. We were the first generation to have computers in our schools. We were the first ones to have games consoles in our houses like the Atari. We were the first generation to have handheld games consoles that we could take with us anywhere like the Donkey Kong Game & Watch, that beautiful sort of metal orange uh, console game where you opened it up and there was two little LCD screens and you could play Donkey Kong on them. They always drew a huge crowd at lunchtime at school. And some of the richer kids also had those Casio calculator watches and the teachers always had to make sure that uh, they took them off prior to maths examinations. Uh, so, you know, I think people forget uh, it's not the millennials who are the original digital natives at all. It was us Gen Xers. We had access to all this cool technology in the early 80s. And it's funny, we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, our family, when I was growing up. We were probably we were probably right in the middle. You know, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich. We had money, uh, but we didn't do anything, you know, exotic or extravagant or anything like that in terms of our holidays or gifts or presents or anything but there's one thing that my dad liked to do my dad really loved gadgets so as I said uh, you know we were, we actually had a computer in our house in 1982 my dad went and bought us a Commodore VIC-20 and uh, my sister and I were allowed to pick two games for the VIC-20 we we chose one called Radar Rat Race which was a blatant ripoff of Pac-Man and another one called Amiga Race which was another kind of spacey kind of one and we only had two games so we got bored pretty easily after playing those for hours and we used to then read the manual of the VIC-20, probably the last time I've ever read a manual for something in 1982. And, uh, you know, we worked out that if we put um, lines and lines of code in this computer, like the screen would change color. It was amazing. Or like if you did, you put like 10 or 15 lines of code in, it would go to this rainbow sort of effect of colors. We were amazed. We couldn't believe it. And of course, we also wrote, you know, little lines of code. We copied them from the book and you could put stuff like, you know, Matt is cool would come up on the screen endless, endlessly. 
Uh, so it was a lot of fun. And um, also my dad, around this time, my dad bought a VCR. You know, a lot of, I think we were the first people at our school to have a VCR, which was weird because we weren't like the richest kids by any stretch of the imagination. We were pretty much about in the middle. But my dad loved movies. And, uh, you know, quite often on the weekends, we used to go out for a picnic or a barbecue or something like that. And there'd be a movie on TV dad wanted to take. So dad used to, you know, set the video recorder up and then a few hours later we'd get home and then he'd get really cranky because he'd watch the video back and he'd tape the wrong channel or he hadn't set it up right, you know, because there was this little fiddly digital um, timer for recording. And, and so he always used to muck it up. So after a while, he just realized I've got to outsource, I've got to outsource this part of the operation. So he'd say to me, son, uh, look, uh, you know, we're going out. Can you tape this movie on channel nine for me, please? Um, two o'clock to 3.30. And so I was then tasked uh, becoming the, the, the video programmer uh, so there you go so you know from a very young age we had uh, you know access to all this kind of technology so that's that's what us amazing Gen Xers we, we were the, the first digital natives don't believe what those millennials tell you we were the first we were the first digital natives so uh, yeah so there you go uh, and uh, with that little uh, kind of chat about um, you know addictions and, and games and technology I think it's about time we got into our, uh, the, the whole purpose of today's show is of course uh, goals setting goals so uh, let's get on with it So there you go. You've heard about how in the first couple of months of this year, you know, summer holidays, working from home, too much Fortnite. Um, I really didn't have a lot of kind of motivation to sort of do a goals list and tick it off. I was still out there shooting film. I just wasn't really kind of, I didn't want anything too heavy to sort of get stuck into. Uh, But now, you know, autumn has rolled around. We're now in March. So I'm thinking, yeah, March, April, May, this is the time where I'm going to get stuck into some photography goals. And uh, I've actually got some digital photography goals and some film ones and some other goals or other things I want to do in my life um, but I didn't want to um, sort of you know make 3,000 goals and then be completely overwhelmed so I've sort of put them into different categories like I said I've got my film photography ones I've got a few digital ones I've got some writing goals and some other things I want to do what some training um, I bought uh, photography training I want to get through but so these goals I want to tell you about now are just the film photography ones so they're nothing like too major you know, it's not, I haven't got on the goal for the next three months, you know, become a member of Magnum Photo Collective. Like, no, they're not really like that amazing. Uh, but they're just things that um, I need to do and I want to do. And so really, I've got to sort of write them down and, and tell people about them because that way I feel like I'll be more accountable and I'll get stuck into them. So here we go. Here are the 10 goals for the next three months. Number one, I am going to shoot at least two rolls of 120 film through my Bronica SQA. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might have heard me talk about this Bronica SQA. I bought it off a mate of mine, Anaban, in Melbourne. Uh, I was actually buying some Natura off him years ago, like two or three years ago now. He had a supply of Natura when it had first become discontinued. And I was buying all this off him. And I said, oh, you know, what else you got, man? And he said, yeah, I've got a few more rolls. And I've also got this full Bronica SQA kit. And I'm like, oh, I've got a roller flex. It's a six by six. I don't, I don't know if I really want a Bronica SQA because it's a six by six as well. But he was selling it with a couple of lenses. It had like the metered uh, prism viewfinder thingy that you put on top. Uh, it come with a couple of backs. It came with a Polaroid back and I still got some FP100C. So it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'll buy it off you. No worries. And um, since then, I've also bought a couple of other little bits and bobs for it. One of them 
one of the things I bought for it was the, the fairly kind of rare Bronica SQA645 back. So I thought, well, if I don't want to shoot square images through the Bronica SQA, I can actually shoot 645 through it. Uh, so yeah, so I've got that. And it's sat here in the same room I'm in now for two between two and three years, and I haven't touched it. Well, I've, I've actually have touched it, but I haven't got it out and loaded film in it. I haven't read the manual, haven't done anything. So in the next three months, I will be shooting at least two rolls of film through that. Goal number two, I'm going to do a review of the Fujifilm Class S. So this is the camera that I've had, I don't know, how long have I had the Class S for? Two years maybe? And I haven't done a review of it yet. And it's a weird thing because I really love the camera, but I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes you pick up a camera and you feel like you sort of play around with it, shoot a couple of rolls and you sort of instantly get the camera. I'm still not sure, like a dozen, 14 rolls in, I'm still not sure that I've really got the Fujifilm Class S yet. There's so much fun functionality in the camera it's a very advanced camera and uh, I'm sort of looking through the manual sometimes thinking oh I haven't tried that oh I haven't tried that function and so I feel like to, to write a review about it I need to try all this functionality out but uh, I'm going to bite the bullet and in the next three months I will be reviewing that camera on the podcast and also I'll do a page on my website about it I actually did a poll recently in the Matt Loves Cameras film photography chat group on Facebook and uh, that was I gave people some four different options I said which camera would you like to see me review next and the Fujifilm Class S1 so I've, I've got to get that one uh, done very soon goal number three I'm going to shoot some more purple for the purple competition. Now, the good news is I've actually already started this. Um, yesterday, I was out with my Contax G1 and I put a roll of purple in that rated at, um, I think I rated it at uh, 320 maybe. I thought just for a bit, bit of difference, I'll rate it at a weird ISO speed because uh, people usually rate it at 100, 200 or 400. So I kind of went in halfway between 200 and 400. And um, yeah, so I've got a roll of purple in that and I've already started that which is really cool but that's the thing I've got to shoot some more purple for this competition um, I already of course uh, have shot quite a few rolls of purple four rolls in 2020 but those images that I shot last year that I, I used in the review on the last episode of Matt Loves Cameras episode 42 they're not eligible for the competition because they were shot in 2020 so I've got to shoot some more purple uh, at the moment to to be eligible for this competition I mean not that I can win the competition but I want to take part in in the whole thing and uh, certainly if you haven't got any purple get out there and get some purple in 35 mil in 120 or 110 and join in you've got until the end of april to shoot that purple and uh, send me in some images four best images or up to up to four images and if you want to see all the competition details as well as a link to the entry form head along to mattlovescameras.com and at the top of the page there is a link which says lomachrome purple competition and all the deets are there and also the the top story at the moment on mattlovescameras.com is a review of lomachrome purple Goal number four, I am going to sell 10 cameras in March, April, and May. There you go, 10 cameras. Uh, so this, you know, it could be a little bit difficult, this one. Um, sometimes I, I, I sort of think to myself, yeah, I'm definitely going to sell a camera. And then I look at it and go, oh, I really like this camera. But no, I've got to be very strong. I've got to be strong because I keep buying little bits and bobs here. Um, you know, I've been buying some film up lately. So I've got to pay that off. Uh, so I've got to sell some cameras. I had a lot of success uh, around 
September, October, November last year. I sold quite a few cameras, but it's kind of been a little bit quiet over the last couple of months. I haven't really sold many, and probably because of that kind of, too, you know, too much Fortnite playing, too much summer holidays, too many beach days, just couldn't be bothered doing anything in my spare time, just wanted to laze around and watch a bit of cricket or something like that. But no, I've got to sell some more cameras now. Uh, and now just looking at my list here, um, I've got a spare Olympus Pen FT, I've got a Nikon Light Touch, I've got a couple of spare Vivitar Ultra Wide and Slims. I'm going to be doing a review of the Ultra Wide and Slim very soon, but I've actually ended up with three of them somehow, so I'm going to sell one of them. I've got a spare Ollie XA, and I really wanted to keep the spare Olympus XA, thinking if anything happens to my first XA, I've got another one. But I don't know. I I, I have done that quite often. I have got doubles of some cameras, but I'm just thinking now is that silly? If if it's you know it's 140, 150 bucks sitting there, I may as well just get rid of it. And I've also got a, a digital camera. I've got a Fujifilm X-T2 I need to sell on as well. So that's that's about six cameras I think I've just mentioned. So I've got to raid, the, raid my treasure trove and, and find four more as well. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Goal number five, I'm going to scan some images using the Pixelator, which I've had for a few months now, and convert them to digital images using Negative Lab Pro. Two very, very good products, uh, Pixelator and Negative Lab Pro. I'm kind of really over scanning with my Olympus, uh, my Olympus, my, what's it called? My Epson scanner, my, my Epson V550. Uh, you'll know, again, if you listen to the podcast for a while, you'll know that I've been outsourcing all of my scanning for uh, about uh, well over a year, probably ooh, 18 months now, uh, just because I wasn't happy with the amount of time um, that I was taking to, to scan my negs. The results were okay, um, but, you know, with this Epson problem with the lines across the images sometimes, you go to scan, and if there's any dust in the calibration area of the scanner, you get these stupid lines across your images. Oh, I just got so cranky with the whole thing. And so I, st- I still use the Epson mainly for like Polaroids and Instax now, which is kind of overkill. But um, yeah, maybe one day I will return to the Epson, but I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of over it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to using the, the Pixelator and also NegLab Pro. So listen for an upcoming episode in the next three months of a review of those two products. Goal number six, this is probably the biggest goal I've got written down here. So in the next three months, I'm going to launch a new zine. Now for months and months in my mind, I've been saying to myself, yes, I'm going to launch a new zine around Easter 2021, April, April 2021, I'll be launching a new zine. And then all of a sudden I realized in the last few days, hey, it's March and uh, April's like four weeks away <laughs> and uh, you've done nothing for this zine. Well, that's not entirely true. I, I do have the name of the zine. It's going to be called Rolled Gold and it's all about spending one year taking images with the same camera, which was the Olympus LT1, which was episode four of Matt Love's Cameras, a review of that. And I spent a whole year shooting Kodak Gold 200 with that as part of the Frugal film project. 
the first year of the Frugal Film Project. Very hard to say. And so I'm going to do a zine about all my images from that year and just talk about how uh, how beneficial it was to use the same camera and the same film stock throughout that entire year. And it was a really cool year. It was the year, it was 2019 this year. It was the year before 2020. And looking back, you know, I traveled to Sydney, went to Bali in Indonesia, went to Java in Indonesia, went to Hong Kong, Switzerland, England. It was really amazing how much we traveled that year and then of course it all came to a, a grinding halt in 2020 so it's kind of in a way it's kind of a rem- reminiscing about the good old days but also about the, the amazing power of using the same setup and getting to know that and how yeah how that kind of in a way has almost cured my gas that's ridiculous it hasn't cured my gas but you know it, I think it has gone a, a long way to to convincing me that you don't need hundreds and hundreds of cameras which is why I'm, I'm selling these cameras so although I've got the the images and I've got the name, um, I was looking back at the images and this is a, a very good segue back to the scanning uh, because I was looking back at the early images and in the early half of 2019, I was still scanning my own images on the V550. And I wrote an, an article for Emulsive using some of those images and someone actually said, oh, really nice scans, did you do them yourself? Uh, and I said, yes, yes, I did on my Epson V550. But looking back, when I switched over about mid-year in 2019 to having lab scans, instantly I just felt like I was 20% better photographer because these scans were so good. They were sharper. They just, the colors looked better. And so at that stage, I transitioned completely to get in the lab to scan all of my images for me. So when I've got all the images together to create this zine in the last couple of weeks, um, I sort of looked at the early images that I scanned myself and I thought, hmm... I don't know, These some of these look a bit rubbish. And so what I've done is with my latest batch of film I've sent down to my lab in Melbourne, I've also sent them three rolls of cut negatives to scan, which isn't cheap. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad price, but it's not, um, you know, it's a bit of a, a false economy to get them all developed and scan them at home. And then two years later, send them back to a lab to scan. Uh, but oh well, um, I'm just really looking forward to seeing uh, the job that my lab does on those negatives. And uh, I might even have another one or two rolls for them to scan after that. Uh, but after, after I get those scans back, I will start putting together the zine. So I don't know, I reckon maybe May now is probably the date for the zine because I'm not sure I can I can output it in four weeks. Goal number seven, I want to use more lights in my film photography. So I recently bought a nice strobe, a Godox strobe, and uh, yeah, I've got a nice light meter that, uh, that can measure flash as well. So I'm really looking forward to taking some test shots using uh, both digital and film. But this particular goal, it's about using uh, some of those lights with my film photography. So probably only do one or two rolls just to try it out. Because if I don't get it right, I don't want to get the scans back from the lab and they're completely rubbish. But yeah, that's a goal. I definitely want to learn a bit more about that. I've been using strobes and flashes with my digital photography for years. Um, but yeah, not so much with film. So yeah, really looking forward to doing more about that. And uh, I was listening to this Only 16 podcast the other day. And I think John and Aid are actually doing a podcast about uh, lights and lighting with film photography. So I will be very, very interested to be listening along to that as well. 
Goal number eight, um, one of the goals is in the next three months, I'm going to be shooting with some older cameras. So I did a test roll through my 1930s Enzyme Selfix uh, in, I think it was December, and it turned out really beautifully. Uh, there's some really wicked blue light leaks all over the images, but I really, really enjoyed using that camera. And so I'm going to shoot with that and I'll shoot a couple more rolls with that and I'll be doing a review of that camera. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I've got some older cameras here at home. I've got a Contaflex, Zeiss Icon Contaflex. I've got my Rollerflex. And so, yeah, I want to get some of these older cameras out and, um, yeah, and shoot some of them and do some reviews of them for upcoming episodes of the podcast. Goal number nine. In the next three months, I'm going to shoot some smaller formats. Yes, yeah, so as well as those massive 6x9 negs that the Enzyme Selfix produces, I also want to do some more smaller format film. So, of course, there are two formats I'm talking about here. Uh, 110 format, which of course was episode one of Matt Love's cameras, was the Pentax Auto 110. The only episode so far of Matt Love's cameras uh, that featured a, a smaller format of film, smaller than 35mm. So I want to shoot some more 110 and the other format that i want to try is apparently uh the, the cool kids in film photography are shooting this i'm i'm not so sure about that claim but i do have three rolls of aps film in my fridge so i want to get one of those out and uh, shoot some aps film and uh, be a cool kid so yeah shoot some smaller formats is is goal number nine and finally, goal number 10, I'm going to revamp at least three pages on the website mattlovescameras.com. So some of the earlier episodes of Matt Loves Cameras, like the LT1, Olympus LT1 episode and the Pentax Auto 110 episode, I just sort of did them as show notes. Um, so if you sort of Google one of those terms like Pentax Auto 110, and if you come across my website, you sort of get to my website and there's a podcast uh, play button and there's just some random show notes. It's a bit weird. Like if you don't, if you've never heard of my podcast, I guess it's a bit weird. So I really want to do them up more as standalone reviews uh, on the website. So yeah, that's another goal. Revamp at least three pages, uh, some of those older pages on my website, mattlovescameras.com. So in summary, here are my 10 goals. I'm going to shoot the Bronica SQA. I'm going to review the Fujifilm Class S. I'm going to shoot more purple for the Matt Loves Purple comp. I'm going to sell 10 cameras. I'm going to scan some negs using the Pixelator and Negative Lab Pro. I'm going to launch a new zine, which will be called Roll Gold. I'm going to use some lights and strobes in my film photography. I'm going to shoot some older cameras. I'm going to shoot some smaller film formats. And I'm going to revamp some pages on my website. Do you have any goals for the next three months? I would love to hear from you. You can message me on Instagram. You can tell me about it in the Matt Loves Cameras Film Photography chat group on Facebook. Or you can email mattlovescameras at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you've got on your plate coming up. Now, in that episode from last January, when I talked about my goals for 2020, uh, I actually spoke about uh, Trello, and I still use Trello. Trello is like a website, trello.com, and you can create an account and have little boards of different sets of cards, and you can put, you know, have a to-do list, and then you can move them across the, each card. As you do it, you can move it across to the done list. I still use Trello for quite a few things, like planning out episodes of Matt Loves Cameras, um, but this year with my goals, uh, the, the goals I've spoken about today have actually gone 
old school and I've got a, like a weekly diary, uh, a moleskin diary. And I, I'm just using that at the moment because uh, I'm sort of commuting back and forth to the city some days or I'm at home. And I just sometimes I find that being able to write stuff down, I don't know, I feel a bit more creative when I write stuff down rather than typing stuff out. Uh, but certainly those online uh, tools like Trello and Evernote, they're way better for keeping uh, links to websites and stuff like that, which would be uh, very, very tricky to, to write down all the time. So I'm really looking forward to the Matt Loves Purple comp. And uh, we've already had, after the uh, the review of Lemochrome Purple in episode 42, uh, we've already had three entries, which is fantastic. So uh, we've had entries from Zach, Pat and Adrian. So thank you so much, guys. Really fantastic to see your images. And um, they're all completely different and all wonderful in their own right. So it's absolutely fantastic that we've got three entries already. Zach had actually emailed me his entries before the form was up. He was so keen to enter. So thanks so much, Zach. Uh, but he has filled the form in now, which is which is brilliant. And uh, yeah, there's a link to the entry form on my website, mattlovescameras.com. And I don't know how many people we're going to get for this comp. There seemed to be quite a lot of interest when I posted this in Facebook groups and Instagram and stuff like that. So fingers crossed we get a lot of people entering the competition. And certainly if you have anyone who you think should take part, let them know. Direct them to Matt Loves cameras on Instagram or mattlovescameras.com and get them involved in the project as well. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Yay! Now, talking earlier about um, addictions and and stuff like that, uh, one addiction I still have is looking at eBay. I, I still have an addiction for looking at eBay and seeing what's out there. I still have all my alerts set up for certain key phrases and things I might want to buy. And anyway, one one night a couple of weeks ago, my wife, uh, I think we were watching a movie or something, and she she brought me a glass of sparkling wine. Uh, we used to call it champagne, but you can't, can't call it champagne anymore because the French get very mad when you use one of their words. Uh, so it's Australian sparkling wine, very nice. And she brought me a glass of wine, which was very unusual. I'm usually the, the wine boy. And uh, anyway, so we're sitting back watching this movie, and the movie got a bit boring, so I was on my phone looking at eBay, and I saw some film in Japan. And it was 140 US dollars. There was two rolls of Fujifilm Natura, and there was some. There were seven other rolls of Fuji Industrial. And I was like, oh, that seems like a good deal. Like, I know I've had some wine, but that does seem like a good deal. And so, you know, I sort of sitting there, kind of watching my wife out the corner of my eye. She, can she see that I'm on eBay? Um, I'm not sure she can. So I thought, look, I'm just going to have a, you know, have a sneaky little eBay buy here. So I pressed buy it now. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I bought this film and uh, finished watching the movie, went to bed. Next day I woke up and um, I had all these alerts on my phone and, you know, it's all this, this receipt from PayPal. You know, you've sent 170 US dollars and then there was a list of Japanese characters. And, you know, when I woke up, my first thought I thought was, oh my, oh my gosh, my PayPal's been hacked. And, and of course, then I realized, hang on, did I... I was looking at something last night on eBay when I was drinking that wine. Did I... No, I didn't. And then I looked at my eBay purchases and, yes, listeners... 
I bought the film and, uh, you know, 140 US dollars, it wasn't a bad buy at 140 US dollars. And then once the taxes, the Australian GST was added through eBay and shipping was added, it got up to 170 US dollars uh, on my credit card. And um, yeah, you know, it wasn't as good a deal anymore at 170 US dollars. Uh, but, you know, already bought and paid for it. Not much I could do. Uh, so it arrived really quick. It came through DHL, beautifully packaged like everything from Japan is. And the, the seller had put in some little stationery, um, a, a little dog, a little doggy envelope, a tiny envelope with some dog stationery, uh, which I thought was really cute. And I was actually really, um, I, I was more sort of amazed at the stationery uh, than the film. And I showed my wife, I said, oh, that, that thing from Japan I bought last week came and look, they, they, they put this stationery in, isn't this cool? My wife sort of looked at it, you know, she's very no-nonsense, my wife, and she sort of looked at it and said, what's the point of that? It's tiny. You never fit a letter in that envelope. It's ridiculous. What would they send you that for? So um, <laughs> I, I thought it was cute, and she sort of come along and crushed my dreams there for a second. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there you go. So um, I put this out on Instagram during the week and also asked a few other people, and I, I said, what is the craziest drunk eBay purchase uh, you've ever done. And so here you go, um, drunk eBay purchases. So here we go. The first cab off the rank, yet again, was Marshall Dalmatian. Uh, and my daughter was on the account this time and she put, my phone, he, he, he. Uh, but the funny thing is, when we bought her iPhone, uh, yes, she, yes, she has an iPhone she bought with her own money. Uh, we didn't buy it on eBay, and she, none, none of us were drunk. We were totally sober when we bought that. So I don't know why she's put that. The next person was Mike Kukovica, drunk underscore darkroom. Like M3, yikes, but happy. The next reply was from aim.shoot.develop. Now, this person is also on TikTok, and I was watching their TikTok videos yesterday, and they're really, really good. Uh, so I think they're aim underscore shoot underscore develop on TikTok. And they put transparent Polaroid demo unit. Yes, it's one of those cameras that's completely transparent that they used to send to camera stores so people could see how things work. And that was their, uh, that was their drunk purchase. And I was chatting to them about that. And they said it was not a bad price at the time, but like everything in, in film photography, it's shot. Those have shot right up in price, even though you can't really shoot Polaroids with them because they're not light tight. Hip Shoot Film, Ben from England, writes, FM3A, the other day, I sold one about a month earlier. So he sold an FM3A a month ago and then bought another one a month later. Uh, there you go. Sometimes you just miss things in life and uh, you regret things and you've got, got, to, got to get a new one. Um, Dave the Walker 80, this is, this is arguably the best answer. I bought a weather balloon. There you go. And I was chatting to Dave the Walker 80 about this on Instagram and said, you know, tell me about this. You bought a weather balloon on eBay. Have you ever used it? And uh, I was looking at Dave's account and it looks like he's into, you know, science and STEM and all, all things, all that cool stuff. And so it completely makes sense if you look at his profile that he bought a weather balloon. Uh, and I asked him if he'd ever used it. And uh, I don't think he has yet. I think he said it's in his house somewhere. And, um, you know, yeah, it's there somewhere. He just hasn't used it. Um, Jory underscore photo writes a 1936 Leica 3A. I'm testing it now. Fingers crossed. Fantastic. What a cool thing to buy when you're drunk on eBay. <laughs> um, so the next one is from Chris in Germany. The underscore photo nerd. A pair of worn shoes. <laughs> well, I, I wonder how worn they were, Chris. Uh, I hope they weren't too worn. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sure why he would buy that. And uh, film is more fun is the next person. Film is more fun on Instagram. 
giant box of 3M foam pads with the intention of resealing all my light seals still unopened from 2018. Yes, I, I, I've done that as well. Sometimes you just buy something and say, yes, I'm going to do this and you buy it and you never touch it. Uh, so I hope uh, film is more fun. I hope that you get at that giant box of 3M foam pads and use it very soon. And the last answer on Instagram was from Graham Homemade Camera, who, of course, is Graham Young from the Homemade Camera podcast. And he writes, I'm pretty sure I had been drinking when I ordered Sproctastic and Pantastic, which, of course, were the two community zines uh, from Matt Loves Cameras podcast. And, um, well, I I hope you enjoyed them, Graham. Drinking or not drinking, I hope you enjoyed them. And, um, you know, if anyone else is drinking at the moment, get onto mattlovescameras.com because there are still still a few uh, copies of Sproctastic and Pantastic and I'm sure you'll get a lot of value out of them drunk or not drunk so I also asked the Film Photography Podcasters Union Local 69 the uh, film photography podcasters you probably know and love or at least you probably know them and the first person to answer was Sherry Christensen and Sherry said I once ordered 99 rolls of Kodak 800 for disposable cameras 99 rolls wow that's amazing it's about half gone Wow, Sherry is really shooting up that 800-speed film in Alberta. Uh, Very nice. And I asked her how much it would cost. Was it a good deal? And she said, yes, short dated, never loaded, about $3 a roll with shipping and import fees. That is a very good deal. I would definitely play uh, $3 a roll for that. Uh, Plus, it's amazing rated at 400 speed. Very nice. Jake from Embrace the Grain said, no crazy drunk eBay purchases for me, but I've ended up with some cool stuff like a 1946 Kodak reference manual. Very nice. I was looking for a few more answers and and none were forthcoming. And I thought like, you know, who would buy stuff drunk on the internet? And the, the first person I turned to in the chat, I said, come on, Mike Gutterman, you've got to have a drunk eBay purchase. And uh, he kind of let me down a little bit. And he said, haha, I did just drunk and buy some guitar effects pedals I don't need a few days ago. And I said, you know, do you have a story about, you know, film, preferably involving APS film? And he replied, APS is always a sober, well thought out purchase. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Now, the other thing that we were talking about in that particular day, uh, I actually noticed on Instagram, I was doing a few Instagram stories. I was actually doing the stories for this question. And I noticed a CineStill filter on my Instagram. I've never installed it. It was just the first filter for an Instagram story. It was the weirdest thing. I, I recognized the logo. And I was on the train on the way to work and I was looking out the the window with my camera and everything was like red scale, really weird colors. Uh, And I posted it in the group and uh, I think Mike Gutterman saw it and said, hang on, is this, you're taking the mickey, is this a joke or is this actually real? I've, I've had a few beers. And I said, no, no, it's real. I just can't work it out. Like, is, are you supposed to snap a photo on your phone and this replicates the look of Cine still? Because if so, the, the colors are way up. And then Andre Dominguez, who of course works at Cine still, came on and he said, no, no, it's to take a snap of your negatives. And I don't know why as photographers, none of us could work that out. Um, but there you go. Andre set the record straight. Apparently, they've been very, very popular. So go into Instagram if you've got Instagram and have a look for those Cine Still filters. There's five, you know, it's 800T and 50 50D or whatever it is. Uh, so you can sort of play around with them uh, and take an, an image of uh, your backlit negatives and simulate the effect of Cine Still. Very, very cool. 
And the last place that I asked this question was the Matt Loves Cameras Film Photography Podcast chat group. Got a few more members now, which is good. But if you want to join, just look for that. Search that name on Facebook and you have to answer a couple of questions and, and then you're in. And so the first person to answer was Sarah McCaskill, who said, I bought a Canon EOS 1V in what I thought was Australian dollars. Turned out to be US dollars. Didn't regret it, though, as it's an amazing camera. And it just depends um, when when Sarah bought that. Uh, I think about a year ago, the Australian dollar was only buying about 60 cents. It was pretty bad in the, the really dark COVID days. It's actually rebounded pretty well now, and the Australian dollar buys about 77 US sense so it's not so bad if she bought that recently but uh yeah there have been times in the last few years when the australian dollar has really sunk low uh due to i don't know world's fluctuations on 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 you know finance markets and uh commodity prices and all like all that uh, stuff like that and the only other person who answered was paul hopper and paul wrote i saw eight rolls of 35 mil ectochrome pro on ebay from a country that was known to be hot and humid oh i wonder if it was australia the description said it was stored in an office it was really cheap so i hit the buy now button what could go wrong the first two rolls came back with a strong magenta cast i was able to color correct but the images were so grainy that it looked like a passing sandstorm. Oh gosh, I did actually say to Paul, have you tried cross-processing it? And it probably might not be any better cross-process, but hey, who knows, it might give it a bit of a different look. Uh, I've got some expired slide film and I way prefer that film cross-processed than, uh, you know, processed in E6. Now, I just mentioned Sarah McCaskill, who is a photographer here in Australia who shoots film, and Sarah actually set up through the Australian Film Photographers Facebook group a really cool uh, Christmas print exchange, very similar to the Emulsive Secret Santa kind of setup, where you get a name drawn out of a hat and you send something onto someone. And um, so there was about 70 or 80 people late last year who joined this, probably around October, November, and I sent my I sent a zine off straight away. I asked if I could send a zine instead of sending prints, and they said, yeah, that's cool. So I sent my zine off straight away and I didn't receive anything by Christmas. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I thought back about posts in the group because I'm in that group quite often, look, you know, reading uh, posts and, uh, you know, giving my two cents worth sometimes and stuff like that. But I hadn't actually, I couldn't recall seeing anyone post up in the group that they got anything like, oh, hey, I, I got my present today. It was really cool. I got a print from so-and-so. So I just put a post up in the group saying, hey, has anyone got theirs? What did you get? Kind of thing. I didn't. I haven't got anything. And um, a couple of people said, yeah, yeah, I got mine. It was really good. Um, hopefully you'll get yours soon. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, at least, you know, it's unlike people got theirs, which is good. Um, it's, uh, I waited till after New Year. I still didn't get anything. But oh, well, that's just the way it works. Uh, but then Sarah was actually approached by Oliver, someone called Oliver. Oliver lives in Sydney. And uh, Oliver, I think Oliver works at Do Film Lab in Sydney. And and Oliver approached Sarah and said, look, I saw Matt's post. Would it be okay if I could have his address? I want to send him something since he missed out. And Oliver very kindly sent me three rolls of film and a lovely, beautiful print. It looks like the print looks like it's a, a close-up of an old car, maybe like a vintage old car. Uh, so yeah, it's a really, I've actually got the print here. Right, yeah, it's actually a really beautiful print, lovely paper, really nice colors, kind of um, nice muted sort of colors. Um, but they're really nice uh, textures to the print and it's a really lovely print 
And uh, yeah, the, no explanation, no letter, just um, three rolls of film and the print because I, I missed out. Uh, so thank you so much to Oliver and to Sarah. Um, it really was unexpected. And um, yeah, I feel uh, so nice of him to do that. So uh, thanks so much to Oliver. If you would like to support this podcast, why not buy our dad a coffee? Visit coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Matt Loves Cameras. And buy him a coffee for just $3. And now for the final part of the show, I have a review of a zine that I was sent. I was actually sent two zines by this lovely person from Sydney, uh, but today I'm just going to cover one of the zines because uh, I haven't actually had a proper look through the other one yet. I've just been savouring this first one. And the the zine comes from a very good friend of the show, Alan Marr, who you probably heard uh, before, me mentioned before Alan on the show. He is The Film Sweats on Instagram, and uh, he sent me one of his zines that he's been involved with called Seascapes. That's the letter C-scapes. And just reading from the first page here, this book documents the memories and adventures of the crazy morning shooters in 2020. Covering the beaches of Sydney, we witnessed spectacular scenes and shot them during the Sydney coronavirus lockdown from around May to November 2020. And it's it's a really wonderful zine. It's about, uh, I'd say it's between 50 and 60 pages. It's a perfect bound zine. It's about, uh, I don't know, it must be almost eight inches by eight inches, maybe maybe slightly smaller, but it's got a nice glossy cover and glossy pages. Uh, all of the pages are black, which really sets off the, the photography uh, throughout the zine very nicely. And it's sort of divided into chapters around each photographer. So I'll go through that in a second. Uh, but it is a really nice volume. And um, it sort of took me longer to, to read this and and uh, digest it than I thought. I was going to do a review of both scenes in today's show, but I'm going to leave one for next time as well. So yeah, so basically a group of friends decided to do something different. And they hit the beaches around Sydney uh, through the, throughout those coronavirus lockdowns, uh, obviously when the lockdown ended. And, uh, you know, they took their cameras, digital and film, pinhole, Hasselblads, all sorts of stuff. And I'll just run you through each photographer now. So the first photographer in the seascape zine is Bill Two. I'm sure you know that name. Bill is a very well-known and very well-respected member of the film community. He's appeared on uh, Neg Puzz. He's appeared on, a, he did his own little show on the Sunny 16. Uh, so yeah, Bill is a very talented photographer, especially with those long exposures and those astro photography images. So Bill's photography in seascapes covers a whole range of stuff from Holger to Hasselblad, from Alliance to long exposures and on one page there is a really beautiful juxtaposition between two black and white images that Bill took. The first one is called Cockatoos and it was taken on a Holger and on Ilford Delta 3200 and I'm not sure if it's a double exposure or not I think it might be a double exposure and then immediately next to that uh, there is an image called Turometa Genesis I hope I pronounced that right and that was taken on the Hasselblad 500cm, also on Delta 3200. So it's a really beautiful uh, juxtaposition there between, you know, two cameras which probably couldn't be more further apart on the on the expensive the expense spectrum, uh, but they're both really beautiful images in their own right. And then a couple of pages later, you have these two images with quite sort of muted colours that were sort of taken around dawn, I would suggest, or maybe maybe at dusk. Uh, one's called Reflective Morning, 
And it's an image of Sydney taken on the chroma camera 4x5 with portrait 160 film. And the one opposite, it is a lighthouse from the look of it. And it's called Last Lights. And it was again taken on the chroma camera on portrait 160. Two really beautiful images. The next photographer is Christopher James, and he has a very apt Instagram name, Film Plus Digital, because he has taken images both on his X-Pro1, his Fujifilm X-Pro1, and his uh, Canon EOS, and also a Minolta SRT and an Ondo pinhole for his contribution to the scene. And Chris talks in the introduction about how he feels happier and less anxious with the camera in his hand. And that's certainly something that I identify with as well. And my favorite image from Chris is his image, Surfers Plus Photographers. I really love this image. Uh, so it's an image of the gang, it looks like the gang sitting on the side of the rocks uh, by the beach taking some images and there's a couple of surfers walking past them uh, so that's really lovely it was taken on a canon eos 1000d so uh yeah it's a really nice sort of beautiful light flare and that image is in black and white in the zine the next person is vince Chu or is it Vince Chow? I'm sorry, Vince. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Uh, but Vince starts off with some reasons why he shoots, why he takes photos, which is really lovely. And I really like this. And um, he then goes on to list all of the uh, cameras that he shoots with. And mainly in the zine here, he's been using a Ricoh GR and an Olympus EM-5 II. Uh, so Vince has got some really nice shots here. Probably my favorite is one taken on the Ricoh GR. And it's kind of like, I think it's like a panning shot maybe of the beach. It's in panorama format. And so the bottom half of the image is the sand. And then you've got the the, the sea at the top. Well, sea in the middle rather, the blue sea in the middle. And then at the top, obviously the very pale sky. So that's my favorite image from Vince. Really, really nice work. The next person is Adrian Chung, and Adrian mostly films on a Fujifilm X-T1, which is a great camera, and he uses a Samyang 12mm lens, very, very wide angle, although I guess on the Fujifilm X-T1, that's the equivalent of about an 18mm lens in full frame, and also he also shoots with the 56mm f1.2 uh, Fujifilm X lens, fantastic lens, and uh, my favourite image from Adrian is one called Sepia Scape. It's a really lovely image. Uh, it just sort of has these cliffs at the top and all this fog and mist and it looks like it was taken somewhere in the outback. So there are a few other images in the book. They're not all at the sea or the seaside. Uh, there are a few other images in the book from other adventures. And uh, the image right next to that as well called Rue Steel uh, looks lovely as well. It looks like there's all frost on the ground. Uh, it looks like a really nice image there and, and dawn is just breaking and there's a, there's a lone kangaroo right in the middle of the frame there. The next photographer is William Woon, and William shoots mostly with his Leica M10 and his Hasselblad X-Pan. Very, very nice cameras, William. And what I really love about William's images and his part in the book is just these beautiful, gorgeous, uh, vivid color images. I really, really love them. And there's one double page spread where there's sort of three images from uh, Dawn, and then there's another one on the right-hand side from the Bronte Beach Rock Pool. Absolutely stunning images. Now that shot of the rock pool is taken on Kodak Ektar and it's a vertical shot. So most people with the X-Pan uh, take the majority of their images in you know the horizontal pano format, but this one's in a vertical format, which is really, really lovely. And of the other three images in that double page spread, uh, there's just this really beautiful um, loveliness to them. It, it sort of have 
all three images have sort of a darkness of the pre-dawn uh, enveloping uh, much of the images, but then there's a flash of sunrise colours throughout the images, uh, sort of, you know, the promise of a new day and these beautiful pinks and yellows and magentas and stuff like that. Uh, probably my favourite image of those three images is the one at the top, which was taken on the Leica M10 with a Voigtlander 21mm f4 colour Scopar lens. Very nice. Adam Tuck is the next photographer, and he's also another Fujifilm X-Series shooter. Now, I love film, and I'm a Fujifilm X-Series shooter, and there really does seem to be a strong correlation between people who love shooting film and people who use Fujifilm X-Series digital cameras. Uh, so Adam uses an X-T3, the X100V, and also there's some shots in there from the Pentax 6.7. So with Adam's images, there's actually um, a, a double page spread of his images here with four images. There's two images each page. And I really, really love these images. The two on the left, uh, one was taken with an X100V. Oh, the bottom one was actually taken with a Nikon FM3A. And there are sort of birds at the beach. The top one has a single bird and the bottom one has lots and lots of birds. And on the right, uh, there is an image of a little boy on a pier or a jetty. And also it looks like the same little boy's shoes and the bottom image. And they were both taken on the Pentax 6.7 on Kodak Portra 400. I'm guessing that's his little boy because uh, he does mention in the book how he, he sort of picked up a camera relatively recently with the birth of his child. Uh, so yeah, really nice stuff from Adam there. And last but certainly not least, we have Alan Ma. So I really love Alan's introduction in the book. And I'm just going to read out a little bit of it here. This year I've discovered landscapes, astro, pinhole, sprockets and a whole load of beautiful parts of my hometown Sydney and some cool friends too. Thank you COVID-19. And I think that's a really good um, really good part of his introduction there. It's sort of saying that, you know, even though 2020 for so many people was a real bummer of a year, you know, there's still opportunities to do new things, to discover new ways of taking photos, uh, meeting new people and doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily do, uh, maybe because of the restrictions that we had uh, over us. Uh, we still have over us in many parts of the world. Uh, so yeah, I think a really nice introduction there from Alan. He's shooting in this book with his Ondu pinhole, uh, but also with an X-Pro3 and a Leica M8. So it's beautiful, beautiful images from Alan. Uh, I especially love his images taken on Kodak Ektar with the Ondu one of which is very familiar because it also featured in my Sproctastic zine. Uh, copies still available at mattlovescameras.com. Never lose an opportunity for a plug. And um, But the one opposite on the page is called Curl Curl Dreaming, taken on Ondu Pinhole on Ektar. Just absolutely stunning image. Beautiful, beautiful reflections and amazing colours there in Ektar. And then the next page, there's some images taken on the Fujifilm X-Pro3 and the Leica M8. Just, yeah, really, really beautiful images. And what I probably love most, though, about this scene is the, the back two pages. It's just a whole load of images of the guys um, sort of, yeah, on the sand, at the coast, ha standing around having a laugh, taking photos. And I think that's, that's what this book is really about. It, it really is a book about people coming together in times of adversity, um, you know, forming friendships, um, you know, shooting new cameras, new ways of taking photos. And it's a really lovely zine. So I can tell you more about this collective. It's called the Pixels and Grain Collective. You can find them on Instagram at pixels.grain, Twitter at pixelsgrain, 
and the website is pixelsandgrain.photo.blog. So I'd highly recommend picking up a copy of the Seascape Zine. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you so much to Alan and the crew uh, for sending me this. That's it for this episode of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you have enjoyed the show. I hope you are inspired to maybe set some photography goals for yourself over the coming months, whether it's uh, autumn down here in the Southern Hemisphere or it's uh, spring up there in the Northern Hemisphere. Get out there and crush those film photography goals. I'd love to hear what you've been getting up to and what you plan doing in the coming months. You can email me at mattlovescameras at gmail.com or send me a message through Instagram or, or any other channel you can think of. Take care. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Check the show notes for the link.